Let's talk about the Word of the Lord today. So let's, uh, today we're going to jump back into a series that we began three weeks ago entitled God Hates, right? God Hates. And the foundational thought for this message is simply this. Let's just revisit it real quick. We said God is love. How many glad God is love? We said God is love. And because God is love, guess what? God hates. Because God loves righteousness, God hates evil. Because God loves justice, God hates injustice. And because God loves sinners, guess what? God hates sin. And what's interesting about this series is I believe understanding what God loves and understanding what God hates, I believe, is critical to your Christian walk. We live in a culture today that has made God love, 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 love. And we've said because God is love, you can live any way you want to live. And because God is love, there's no longer a moral standard or any kind of code. Just do what you want to do and live like you want to live. And whatever feels good to you must be right. And because God is love, everything's going to be okay. That is 100% absolutely not true. And I made this statement on week one. Every person in here that is a parent knows that if you love your kids, then you actually hate the things that destroy your kids. Love and hate go together. You can't love righteousness and love evil. You can't love justice and love injustice. You can't love sinners and love sin. They are on opposite ends of the spectrum. And the realization that God is a God of love And because God is love, God hates the things that destroy the lives of his children. All of a sudden, it creates a Holy Ghost parameter. It's kind of like the banks of a river. And on one side, we have the love of God. And on the other side, we have the fact that God hates the things that destroy us. And when you begin to live your life between the banks of what God loves and the banks of what God hates, all of a sudden, you will find yourself in the river of God where you will begin to be moved by His Spirit to do the things that please and honor Him. And not only, hear this today, not only will you receive from God what He has for you, but you'll become a vessel through which God can minister through you. I'm just going to tell you, that's the goal of Christianity. The goal of Christianity is not just to get everything God has for you. The goal of Christianity is to become a vessel and a vehicle through everything that God has for you can actually flow through you and touch the hearts and lives of other people. Your life is intended to be a vessel and a vehicle through which other people are able to get on board this little gospel train going to heaven. Come on, somebody. And they can be a part of what God wants to do in the earth. Ultimately, what God wants to do eternally in the hearts and lives of people. So look with me in Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6 has been our foundational scripture. The Bible says this, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. We talked about pride on week one. A lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. Last week, Ryan did such a beautiful job talking about how God hates lying lips because God is truth. And how God hates murder because God is life. And when you begin to walk in truth and life, guess what? You walk with God. And you begin to experience the life that God intends us to experience. Look at verse 18. This is where we're going to drill down today. The Bible says, And God hates a heart that devises wicked plans. And feet that are swift in running to evil. Look at that first point for all you note takers. God hates a heart that devises wicked plans. I want to reframe that and just say it like this. God hates deception. 
God hates deception in the hearts of men and women. Why? Because the condition of your heart determines the course of your life. Proverbs 12 verse 20 says this, Deceit fills hearts that are plotting evil, but joy fills hearts that are planning peace. God hates a heart that devises evil. God hates deception in the heart. Let me tell you what happens when you have a deceived heart. When you have a deceived heart, then all of a sudden there are distorted paths that begin to come out of your life. And the Bible says God hates a heart that devises, think about this, wicked plans. Let me say it like this. If you are planning to sin, anybody remember your B.C. days? Before Christ. Y'all remember when you weren't so holy and you weren't so righteous and you didn't look so pretty? Y'all remember those days? You remember when you used to plan to sin? I mean, you had a plan, right? I mean, it was called the weekend. Y'all remember that? You were planning about who you're going to hook up with and you were planning about what you're going to drink and what you might going to smoke and what you may even shoot up or snort up your nose. You know, all that fun stuff that people do. I mean, it's not really that fun, but people do it. You know, in your B.C. days, you actually planned to sin. If we're not careful, we'll have a Christian version of that. <laughs> There's a great scripture. It's not on the screen, but you want to write it down. It's Romans chapter 13, verse 14. The Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ and make no provision. Don't plan to sin. Don't make preparations for your flesh. Don't allow yourself to get caught into this idea where you are deceived in your heart and therefore there is destruction in your heart. If you're planning to sin, if you're planning to lie, if you're planning to steal, if, to steal or cheat, or if you're planning to manipulate or you're planning to take advantage of somebody, then guess what? You are operating out of a deceived heart. If you're making provisions for the flesh, and by flesh it's talking about that carnal, sinful nature. Isn't it amazing <laughs> that even as adults... We still try to hide and cover things. And if I'm making provisions to cover the thing that I'm about to do, and I'm trying to figure out how my mom won't find out, or my dad won't find out, or my spouse won't find out, or my boss won't find out, I've got a deceived heart. And somewhere along the way, I believed a lie and because I believed a lie, I began to operate out of a spirit of deception. Because I've got deception in my heart that is now directing the paths that I take. Look what Proverbs 4, I love this scripture. You guys are familiar with it. Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 23. Solomon, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Do not lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your what? Let them penetrate deep into your heart. Why? Verse 22. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. You know what I love about the Word of God? When God's Word goes from the page to the heart, it brings life and healing. 
Let his word penetrate your heart. Why? Because my words bring life. I want to tell you something. There is life for your marriage. There is life for your finances. There is life for your future and your hope. There is healing. There is hope. Physical, spiritual, relational healing and hope for your life when you and I embrace the word of God and let God's word pierce our hearts. And then he goes on in verse 23. And look what he says. He says, and guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Let's just be honest. A lot of people today are on a crash course with destruction. You guys have heard uh, a lot of our testimony, and for many years early in our marriage, Kelly and I, early in our marriage, I had believed a lie about money. I used to say crazy things like this, I hate money. I wish we didn't have to have money. I can't stand money. If I could figure out how to live without money, I would live without money. I believed a lie. That somehow money was bad and somehow money was going to pervert or prevent or keep me from doing the thing that God had called me to do. And because I had believed a lie, the condition of my heart determined the course of my life. And all of a sudden we made financial decisions and choices that undermined the work that God wanted to do in our lives. Because there's nothing wrong with money. It's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. And I finally came to a revelation where I realized I could do more for God if I had something <laughs> than I could if I didn't have anything. <laughs> and my amazing, wonderful wife, Kelly, suffered through many of those years as I was trying to figure out how can we live on nothing <laughs> and still do what God had called us to do. And it was a rough life to live. And somewhere along the way, praise God, by the grace of God, by the word of God, by the voice of truth that people spoke into my life, I came to the revelation one day that money wasn't evil and there was nothing wrong with being blessed and financially prosperous. As a matter of fact, when you read the Bible, it's kind of part of God's plan. <laughs> he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think and that Christ became poor so that we might be made rich. Because God wants to give you not just enough, but more than enough so he can work in you and work through you to touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the condition of your heart determines the course of your life. God hates deception. God hates deception in the heart of men. Why? Because it perverts the course and direction of our life. Many people are on a crash course for destruction financially. Many people are on a crash course of destruction relationally. Isn't it funny how you can kind of stand back, and I know this is not even fair, and I shouldn't even say it, but I'm just going to say it anyway, because we kind of like to be honest here, right? Good place to be honest in church. And let's just be honest. We all kind of look at other people, and how many of you know it's a lot easier to find the fault in somebody else's life than it is to find the fault in your life? But we've all looked at people, and we've looked at relationships, and we've looked at couples, and we've thought, man, they are never going to make it <laughs> Ooh, I mean, they're just doing all the wrong things, driven by all the wrong desires. Their relationship is driven by lust and by selfish desires and by emotional whims and feelings. And we recognize they are on a self-destructive path that's not going to work out very good. Spiritually, I see people all the time that are on self-destructive paths. They've believed a lie. They've been deceived in their heart. I meet people that sometimes believe that the... The negative choices and the sinful past of yesterday somehow 
controls and dictates the fact that God could use them tomorrow and they have disqualified themselves. They feel like they messed up so bad yesterday that God could never use them today. I meet other people, and I'm just going to be honest with you, I think one of the greatest deceptions right now that I see in the body of Christ, one of the greatest hindrances to people spiritually living the life that God has called them to live is this little thing we call insecurity. And we have this insecurity in the hearts of people, and people have, have disqualified themselves. I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not talented enough, I'm not whatever it is that I need to be, and there's no way that God could ever really use me and that lie has sidelined so many Christians. That lie has kept so many people from pursuing a path of living the fullness of life that God has for them. Why? Because the condition of your heart determines the course of your life. And God hates deception because when there's deception in the heart, it distorts the path that we live on. And that's why God speaks truth. Look at that next point. I want you to consider some thoughts. Every sinful and every wicked thing that has ever been done on planet earth actually began in the heart. Every sinful thing, every wicked thing that has ever been done on planet earth began in the heart. Satan deceives us with lies, but God liberates us with truth. See, a deceived heart is a defiled heart, and God hates deception. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 15. He says, but the words that I speak to you, but the words that you speak, he says, come from the heart. And that's what defiles you. Look at verse 19. For from the heart comes evil thoughts. And from the heart comes murder. And from the heart comes adultery. And from the heart comes all sexual immorality. And from the heart comes theft. And from the heart comes lying. And from the heart comes slander. And these are what defile you. Jesus said we're not defiled from without. We're defiled from within. It's the things that are in our heart. See, before anybody ever commits an act of sexual immorality, they have a thought of sexual immorality. Before a person ever commits murder, they have the thought of murder. Before a person ever steals one thing, they've already thought about the thing they're going to steal before they do it. It all originates in the heart. Jesus said it's out of the heart that men are defiled. It's out of the heart that our mouth speaks. It's out of the heart that wicked, vile things come. God hates deception because deception in the heart distorts the path and the choices and the decisions that we make. Satan works overtime to bring deception. He whispers constantly lies into the hearts and lives of people in order to deceive us. We say it a lot here at Liberty Church. If you believe a lie, you'll live a lie. And we see it over and over again. And God, by the Holy Spirit, speaks truth. A little prayer, a little 30-second breath prayer that Kelly prays and I pray and we've taught at Liberty Church now for years is this little simple prayer, Holy Spirit, speak truth to me. Boy, when you're in the middle of a battle, when your mind is being bombarded, when, when everything is seemingly spinning out of control and you don't know what to do, it's amazing what that little prayer will do. Holy Spirit, speak truth to me. And all of a sudden, in all the chaos and all the confusion and all the deception and all the things that are happening, the Holy Spirit will resonate. And it's amazing how one thought can pierce 
the multitude of thoughts that have been bombarding our mind and all of a sudden we know without a shadow of a doubt that is the voice of God. And so we recognize God hates deception. God hates deception in the hearts and lives of people and everything begins with the heart. Now let me give you some good news. Here's the good news. Jesus died. Jesus rose again on the third day. Jesus ascended to the Father. And Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that we could have a new heart. <laughs> See, that's why when Nicodemus came to Jesus, Nicodemus was a religious man. By all standards, he was what we would call a righteous man, a good man. He followed the laws of God. He was doing everything he was supposed to be doing in accordance to the law of the Scripture. But when Jesus met this religious, what we would consider a very righteous, moral man, Jesus looked at Nicodemus and he said, Nicodemus, man, all that stuff's awesome and great, but you must be born again. Because Jesus knew it was impossible to enter into the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Look what he said in John chapter 3. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. One of my favorite quotes, I don't even know who said it, but I love to say it and repeat it, is simply this. Jesus did not die and rise again so that bad people could become good people. Jesus died and rose again so that dead people could come alive. Because we are spiritually dead in our sin and separated from God apart from Christ. And God hates deception because deception distorts the path that we take and causes us to follow a path of self-destruction instead of the path of redemption that Jesus purchased and died to give us. And today, before we wrap up this service, we're going to give you and everybody watching online today an opportunity to get a brand new heart. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, that sounds like a good plan to me. Well, why don't you sign up today? I'm going to give you a chance in just a few minutes to do that because there's nothing like a new heart and there's only one way to know him and be known by him. Jesus said, you must be born again. Amen. Let's look at the rest of this scripture. Look at that next point on your outline. Not only does God hate deception, but the Bible says God hates feet that are swift and running to evil. God hates evil. God hates evil. Why? Because evil opposes the work of God, and God turns his face against those who do evil. Let, let me give you a little definition here. Let me define the difference between a sinful heart and an evil heart. Now, all evil hearts are sinful hearts, but not all sinful hearts are evil hearts. So let me give you a distinction here. The word sin, of course, in its basic meaning means to miss the mark, to come short of the glory of God. There's a couple expressions of sin. The Bible says, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. That's called the sin of omission. I know I'm supposed to do something, but I don't do it. That's sin. <laughs> And then there's the sin of commission where I actually, God says, don't do that, and I do it anyway. God says, don't say that, and I say it anyway. God says, don't go there, and I go anyway. <laughs> so sin is the transgression of the law, but sin is also he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. To him it is sin. We recognize, we recognize that sin violates the laws of God. But evil goes a step further. Evil doesn't just violate the laws of God. 
Evil opposes God. Evil sets itself in opposition to what is good, but more importantly, what is God. See, evil desires, think about it like this, to extinguish the light of Christ from the earth. See, we live right now in what's called the cancel culture, right? If you voice something or you say something or you do something that does not line up as being politically correct, we have a culture now that will cancel you, right? And we will mark you and we will withdraw support from you and we will silence you because if you're not saying what is politically correct, then we're going to cancel you out of our culture, and right now, one of the biggest movements pushing that council culture to silence the voice of righteousness is the LGBTQ plus community. And we see that there is this assault. How many of you understand there's now a culture in our society today that no longer says live and let live. It says we're going to live like we want to live and you've got to agree with us. And if you don't agree with us, then that's hate speech. And if you don't agree with us, well, then you're violating our constitutional rights. And if you don't agree with us and support us and condone our sin and our lifestyle, then you need to be silenced and punished. Evil not just violates the laws of God. Evil opposes the truth. Of God. I'm going to give you a great theological statement. It comes from the cartoon Mulan. <laughs> the emperor in the movie Mulan says this when the bad guy's raging and he's telling him to bow. Y'all remember it? He says, No matter how loud the wind blows, the mountain can never bow. It reminds me of 1 John. The Bible says, And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. We have a mandate from God to refuse to bow. The mountain can never bow to the wind of culture that wants to silence the voice of truth. What is interesting is that the Christians that I know are not condemning people living in a LGBTQ plus lifestyle. But the people living in an LGBTQ plus lifestyle are condemning Christians for their stand for what is right. And we have to refuse to bow. Evil is not content with just doing evil. Evil wants to condemn anyone that opposes evil. I don't know if you realize this, and I wrote this down so I wouldn't mess it up here today. The most persecuted people on the planet, in case you don't know this today, are Christians. All around the world right now in 2020, all around the world, Christians today are being persecuted. According to OpendoorsUSA.com, it's a great website, you ought to check it out, OpendoorsUSA.com. It is a Christian ministry that follows the persecution of believers around the world and tries to provide support to those who are suffering for their faith. This is what they said, as of right now in the world, there are 360 million Christians who are experiencing extreme persecution in our world today. 
Most of them live in the Middle East or in Asian countries, but that is literally one out of every seven Christians on the planet today is suffering some form of persecution. Now, let me just be really clear. What we call persecution in America is not what they call persecution in the Middle East and in Asia. Persecution in America is that you're going to cancel my social media account. And you're going to say ugly, bad things about me. And you're not going to like me. And you may not do business with me. Persecution around the world today, for many people, means death and imprisonment. Let me give you some numbers. 5,000 in the last 12 months, in the last year, 5,898 Christians have been killed for their faith. In the last 12 months, 5,898 Christians. In the last 12 months, 5,110 churches or other Christian organizations have had their buildings attacked and many of them burned to the ground. In the last 12 months, 4,765 believers have been detained in jail, arrested and sentenced and imprisoned without a trial. God hates evil because evil is not content with living in sin. Evil is only content when it can silence righteousness. And there is a real persecution that is happening in our world today and we in America ought to stand up, step up and take notice. We ought to guard our hearts and we ought to guard our borders. Not against illegal immigrants coming from Mexico but against the moral decay of a society that will ultimately bring persecution to those who reject God. First Peter 3, listen to what the scripture says. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Look at verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their prayers. Can I get an amen from somebody today? But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. That phrase, turns his face, is a military term. It literally means to set in opposition, to come against, as in warfare or battle. God hates evil. God is at war with evil in the world. And we need to understand we've got to love what God loves and we've got to hate what God hates. And anything that opposes the light of Christ is in opposition to the heart of God. Let me tell you why God hates evil. Look at that last point on your outline. God hates evil because it turns hearts away from God. It turns a lost and a dying world away from its only hope of salvation. Let me tell you, this is why God hates evil. Not just because it opposes the light of Christ, but because it turns people away from the only hope of salvation they have. Listen to what... The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 3. That is why the Holy Spirit says today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. And there your ancestors tested and tried my patience even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them and I said, their hearts always turn away from me and they refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger I took an oath that they will never enter into my place of rest. Look at verse 12. He says, be careful then. Dear brothers and sisters, and make sure that your own hearts, look at this, are not evil and unbelieving. 
And then he defines what an evil, unbelieving heart does. Look what the next part says. Make sure that your hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. For you must warn each other daily while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. See, evil is not just content to live in sin. Evil wants to condemn those who live in righteousness, but evil goes even further. Evil wants to blame God for all the sin, the suffering, and the sorrow in the world. Evil actually calls God evil. And one of the biggest lies that happens in our world is simply this. And you've heard it and seen it on Facebook a thousand times. Every time tragedy strikes, every time sorrow comes, every time unexpected things happen in people's lives, people have this tendency to say, why is God doing this to me? My mother died, my brother died, my child got died. Why is God doing this to me? I've got cancer, I've got diabetes, I was in a tragic wreck. Why is God doing this to me? My wife left me, my husband left me, my children are addicted to drugs. Why is God doing this to me? I want you to understand that is, I believe, one of the biggest lies that permeates our culture. Why? Because this is what happens, and you've heard me say it many times. If Satan can deceive me and you, into blaming God for all the sorrow and the pain in the world, then why would we look to God to be healed of that pain? If Satan can deceive us into thinking that God is the source of our sorrow, then why would we ever look to God to be the source of our healing? If God is the source of our calamity, why would we look to God to be the source of our salvation? If God is the source of all the chaos and the confusion, then why would we look to God for redemption? And we have a world of people that are blaming God. That's evil. I'm not saying they're evil. I'm saying that's evil. It is evil to blame God for the evil that is in the world. And it is that spirit of deception that Satan uses to disconnect the world. You know why God hates evil? Because it hardens people's hearts against God. And they turn away from their only hope of salvation. Think about this. If a person rejects Christ, they've rejected their only hope of salvation. If a person rejects Jesus, they've rejected their only hope of ever finding peace and grace and deliverance and ultimately eternal life in the presence of God. God hates evil because evil hardens the hearts of humanity and causes people to turn away from God. But there's good news. We said it a while ago, Jesus died rose again. He bore the penalty of our sin and our shame so that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. There's good news. God is not the source of your pain. Every good and every perfect gift comes from God. Every good and every perfect gift comes from God. And you can have today a new heart.
I, I love Ezekiel 36. We're going to close with this scripture today. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27. Ezekiel prophesying. Look what he says. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. I will take out your deceived, deceptive heart. I will take out your evil, unbelieving heart, and I will give you a tender and a responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. God hates deception and God hates evil. And he hated it so much that he sent his son Jesus to die in our place. So that we could be delivered from the deception of the enemy. We could be set free from an evil and unbelieving heart. And by faith in Jesus Christ, we can have a new heart. Receive God's spirit. And be born again. I want you to bow your heads with me today. And I want to just ask you a question today. Have you received that new heart? I'm not saying have you ever prayed a prayer. I'm not saying have you ever joined a church. I'm not saying are you a good person. I'm saying can you look back on your life and recognize a day when you were born again. When that old stony, stubborn heart was replaced with a tender and responsive heart to God. Do you remember that day? Do you remember that moment in your life when God gave you a new heart? I remember it. I was 15 years old, Sunday night at a little Baptist church. And I got a new heart that night. I got born again. Have I done it perfectly? Absolutely not. But I have purposely lived for the Lord now for 35 years because God did something in me that I couldn't do for myself. He gave me a new heart. And He gave me a, His Spirit so that I could follow Him. Salvation is not a gift that we earn. It's a gift that we receive by faith in the one who paid the price for our salvation. And if you're here today or you're watching online and you say, Pastor Keith, today I want that new heart. I realize that I've sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I need a Savior. I need a new heart. Let me say it like this. You don't have a sin problem. There's a remedy for sin. His name is Jesus. You have a heart problem. And unless you're born again and God gives you a new heart, nothing changes. But when you accept Jesus and He becomes the Lord of your life, everything changes because God gives you a new heart. So if that's you this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, I want that new heart today. I want you just to raise your hand all over this building. I've never had that new heart. I can't remember the day when I went from being an old man to being a new man. I can't remember the day. When that stony, stubborn heart became a tender, responsive heart. And today is my day. If that's you watching online, just type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand. Hit that little hand emoji. Whatever you need to do, we want to pray with you today. And as hands are going up right now, as you raise your hand, our ushers are going to come. They're going to slip a little packet in your hand. And I'm going to pray with you because we want to help you take that next step. We want to help you walk forward with Jesus Christ. So let's pray this prayer together. I'm going to ask everybody in the room just to say it out loud with me. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. 
rose again on the third day. I confess that I have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be born again and receive a new heart. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family, and we want to help you take that next step. If you received a salvation packet or if you prayed online, we want to follow up with you, and we want to help you take those next steps in what it means to follow the Lord, and we want to draw you near to the good things that God has for us today. Well, God bless you this morning. We love you so much. Have a great day in the Lord. Make sure to register for the encounter out the door to my right. And if you want more information about our Band of Brothers NRP Conference, check out the door to my left. We love you guys. Have a great day.